Good morning, everybody. So we're continuing on in our series in Luke. We've come to chapter 8. And we've titled, or the title given to this, uh, to me, was The Secret of a Fruitful Life. And it's one of those things, if I knew what the answer to The Secret of a Fruitful Life, I'd make a book, sell it, and get lots of money. Because that's what many people have tried doing, haven't they? They've tried saying... These are the steps to a fruitful or productive life, something which is good. And this is what you need to do. do. You know, just looking at this, uh, preparing for the sermon, all you have to do is tap into Google, and there's lots of books to help you be fruitful. But indeed, is it what we as Christians think is fruitful? You know, I think our, our hope is to be like Jesus Christ, isn't it? That we want to be fruitful because he is fruitful. He showed us what it is to live a fruitful life. And it's the position that we're in. Do we want to be like Jesus? We're not like Jesus because we're sinners. There's a major problem in our lives that we sin because we're sinners. And so therefore when we try to change or we try to be fruitful, we struggle. We know every day in our lives Bad stuff comes out of our mouths or what we do. We struggle trying to be fruitful like Jesus asks us to be fruitful. We want to be fruitful, and so we do try to be fruitful, but inevitably we fail. Isn't that, that your experience? However much we try, we fail. And then, we, then along comes the guilt. You know, oh, I'm not a very good Christian. I wish I could do better. I wish I could be more fruitful. Well, it's not the first time that Luke has mentioned fruit and being fruitful. Uh, A few chapters back, it says about uh, that uh, there are trees that uh, are good, will bear good fruit. There are bad trees that will bear bad fruit. In verse verse 43 to 45 of chapter 6, it says, For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. We are known by our fruits. And this follows on from Jesus and the Beatitudes. For those who don't know what the Beatitudes are, it's a, it's a series of blessings that Jesus says. People are blessed if. And it starts off as, blessed are those who are poor. And the answer is, the blessing comes because theirs is the kingdom of God. And then it all flows from that. You see, even before that, Jesus came and he says, I, <coughs> I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to others, towns also, because that is why I was sent. You see, it's the good news of the kingdom of God. And you'll see that in the beginning of, our, uh, of chapter 8 too. They were proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. That is why Jesus came. So where we are, we have this context of building up, of Jesus starting to bring and proclaim the good news of the kingdom. We have ideas and little um, um, examples of what that actually means. People being healed. We're looking at restoration. We're seeing demons being driven out. We are seeing Jesus' authority. There's something different happening. There is power There is movement, and there is a hint of a king. 
See, no wonder large crowds are actually gathering to come and hear what Jesus has to say and do. And that is why, where we pick it up in verses 1 to 3, Jesus proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. You see, the Bible, or the word of God as we know it, is not an encyclopedia, as it were. If it were to be an encyclopedia, I'm sure it would be written in a different way. There would be a different concordance. You see, it's not a systematic way of doing things to make ourselves fruitful or right before God. See, the Bible is about the story of redemption. It's about the kingdom, the coming of the kingdom of God. This is what they say. This is what Jesus came to say. It's about the good news of the kingdom of God. You see, and you see the effect of this news, of the coming of the kingdom. We see this group of believers in verses 1 to 3. We see and hear, and we're told that they're healed, that demons have been driven out. And upon hearing it, they are acting upon it too. Like I say, it's not an encyclopedia, but sometimes we may approach it that way. But it is a true story that extends just uh, beyond just my own little world, yet includes it. See, the good news is played out in history, isn't it? There's wars and there's battles, people against people, good rulers and bad rulers, people who love God, people who don't. It's about promises and fulfilment. It's a story about creation. It's, about, it's a story about the glory of God. It's about restoration and redemption, righteousness and transformation. It's about life and death. It's about the battle between good and evil, about judgment and forgiveness. It's about hope and the unstoppable mission of God to redeem that which is lost. It's about grace. It's about mercy. It's about power and authority. It's about the healing of a broken world. It's about the coming and rule of the king. The Lord of lords. The Alpha and Omega. The saviour of the world. See, God's, it's about God's one and only son. Who was sent to rescue humanity. From the corruptive and terminal sickness of sin. See, the Son in whom we now can have hope of eternal life and resurrection of our bodies to rule and reign with Him now and in the new creation. That's what the Bible's about. It's not an encyclopedia. To be fruitful, to become more like Jesus. We need more than love and encouragement. We need a saviour. We need to be rescued. We need to be rescued from ourselves. See, all other hopes of change presented by the you can do it, believe in yourself kind of world that we live in are false. So they promise things that cannot be fixed. None of them tackle, let alone attempt to resolve the unfixable issue and problem of our default state of being a sinner. 
It is the good news of a world being put right and a saviour who has the power and authority to do it. That has transformed Mary, Joanna and uh, and Susanna in the verses 1 to 3. It's not been a step-by-step guide of how to deal with demons, but by the power and authority of the king. See, it is the same news that transformed them, transforms us. It's taken our lives from where they are, superficial and self-serving, to become what we were originally made for and intended to be, reconnected with the Father and fruitful. So it begs the question, doesn't it? If the transformative power to a fruitful life lies in the good news of the kingdom of God, why is it then that we more often than not struggle to be fruitful and find ourselves in that cycle of struggling, desiring to do good, but attempting to do good, but failing, and then feeling guilty, and then struggling again? That kind of cycle. What's going on? Well, needless to say, the fault isn't to be found in the truth. That is the good news of the kingdom of God. See, instead, we are told in the following parable that the issue lies in how we hear it. See, look how Jesus describes those recipients of the good news in the parable of the sower. Look from verses 12 onwards. In verse 12, he describes an describes the person as the one who hears. Verse 13, when they hear it. Verse 14, those who hear. Verse 15, who hear the word. And he goes on to say in verse 18, therefore consider carefully how you listen. Verse 21, those who hear God's word message is clear. The problem lies on how we hear. You see, the warning in verse 18, where it says, therefore consider carefully how you listen, isn't saying to be careful to pay attention properly, though that's not a bad thing. It's not listen in that sense, which I am personally glad because I have a ge- genetic um, issue which, which affects about 90% of the male population in the way that actually you're listening, you believe you're listening very intently. It just happens. You know you can't help it. And you try so very hard to focus in what the person is saying. Perhaps your wife, for instance, only to be asked immediately afterwards to repeat what they've just said. And just not being able to do that. It's not me, it's my genes. (laughs) Despite listening so very carefully. It's not like that listening that René in LOLO asks, where he says, listen very carefully, I shall say this only once. (laughs) It's not bad French accent, I know. It's not listening that way. It's not that we're unfruitful because we may not have heard everything. We cannot necessarily blame that we, may, uh, that we don't know enough. We can't say, oh, oh, sorry, Jesus, I didn't know. See, the hearing Jesus is describing is the genuine, 
The genuine acknowledgement of revelation. The connection at a far deeper level. Words that resonate and impact us. More importantly, take root. It's an authentic hearing. Not just hearing words, but taking them in. Internalizing them. Internalizing the truth and power in them. And so he says, take care how you hear. We're given this parable, aren't we? Notice how the seed falls in each case. See, in the first one, it says it falls along the path. The second one says on rocky ground. The third one is among the thorns. But the fourth one says into. It gives a hint of this internalizing of God's word, doesn't it? See, the first three are not described as entering the target. But neither does that rule out that upon subsequent hearing of this word, that the ground which the seed falls, or as Jesus explains, the heart, in which the word of God encounters, could be different. So we may not necessarily need to all our lives persist with a heart amongst thorns. You see, that command, take care of how you heal here. It tells us that we have a responsibility. It's our responsibility which will help govern our fate. See, Jesus warns us, doesn't he? Take care how you hear. Your heart does not necessarily have to be a path or a rock or a ground full of thorns. Well, the f- we'll go th- briefly through each one of these then in turn. In verse 12, then, it says, Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then a devil comes a- and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may, may, not, be, uh, they may not believe and be saved. Now, I don't, some of you might know, but um, I think it might be last year now, I have an iPad, which I, I treasure probably too much, really. But um, I was going to Chris Wintle's, I think, uh, just to watch another film or something that we do. And um, I was being picked up outside the Tesco's on, on uh, Paintwick Road. And upon getting to uh, Chris's house, I realized I had left my iPad outside Tesco's in Matson, leaning against the lamppost on the street. Oh, I can, I can feel your pain, but imagine mine. I must confess I probably broke a few rules getting back to that place to try and retrieve it. And lo and behold, those who know me know that I have an iPad, and it was that iPad still left there. Hallelujah, I was, yes. But it could have been stolen at any time, couldn't it? In the first minute, somebody could have been watching as I drove off and thought, idiot. Or it could have been the 29th minute, and just as I arrived half an hour later, they just saw, had a a look, and took it. But the seed that falls along the path, if we leave it out there, if we let it rest outside of our hearts, do you know, we risk the devil taking away that word. That the joy we may have in the good news of the kingdom of God might be taken away straight from us, from the devil. I was lackadaisical, to say the least, leaving my iPad out on that street. 
But how foolish or how stupid are we then, therefore, to leave God's word out of our hearts? Because the danger is it will not stay there forever. You see, in Hebrews 3, it warns in the same way. It says, as he has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts like a hardened path as you did in the rebellion. Do not harden your hearts. He's saying, be careful how you hear today. Verse 13 talks about those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no roots. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. I often wonder about my root system, to be quite honest. Do you think about yours? Would I wither away if I was exposed directly to some sort of abuse because I claim to be a Christian? Or what would I do if um, threats on my lifestyle or my income or friendships resulted from wearing my Christian badge? See, whatever the answer is to that question, is for me and you the difference between life and death. And that's quite scary. See, in the parable of the, the good news of the kingdom of God, appears to have produced what it should, joy. Yet it's only for a while. But we see the ultimate failure of that seed is attributed to the lack of any root system. See, the falling away was the inevitable outcome of the condition. No roots. No connection to the life-giving water of God. God's word of grace and the life that comes in the form of the Lord Jesus. See, we should pay attention to the state of our roots. See, it reminds me of Paul when he writes to the Corinthians. And he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, and God has been making it grow. See, there is a continual need for the ministry and counsel of God's word into our lives, both individually and corporately as brothers and sisters in Christ. We cannot leave it on the outside because the devil will take it away. But we, cannot, we must and therefore so like foster a good root system by watering it with that same good news. Well, the next two examples do bear fruit. And if we're honest with ourselves, I think most of us would admit that we live our lives somewhere in between the two, neither yielding a crop a hundredfold or being totally choked by the care, riches, and pleasures of this world. In verse 14, it says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. And they do not mature. Life's worries. Security and provision. I want to know that I am secure and that I am provided for. The security of God's kingdom, is it enough to satisfy your needs? Is it enough for me to not to worry or care about life's issues? 
does the kingdom, the message and the good news of the kingdom of God, which Satan or, and death cannot overcome, give you that security that you yearn for in life? Or do we look elsewhere? Do we look to our jobs, our income, the fact that we can pay off our mortgage and know that at least we've got a roof over our heads? Is that what's most important to us? You know, failure is a failure of trust. We don't believe that the good of the good news of the kingdom of God. And there's there's the um, the temptations of the riches and pleasures. What can fulfil your desires? Is it the good news that you're brought into a kingdom of which the glories and riches you cannot imagine, or is it? an immediate fix and gratification that you look for. And if we do that, we're just deaf. We haven't heard of the good news of the kingdom of God, which gives you so much more, which provides you so much more with a life abundant than anything in this world can give. What can fulfill your desires? Do you ever experience the pattern in times uh, uh, when the truth of the Bible really fires you up, then for one reason or another, we allow the things that we call the stuff of life to get in the way. And get in the way of reading the Bible or spending time together, speaking about Jesus, getting excited about him, getting excited about God's kingdom, his goodness, the power of the kingdom. Then only to find yourself feeling less enthused about his word and more interested in the things that give you pleasure. See, I, I, I know I do. And I think, in fact, I'm sure that those closest to me will experience the change in my behavior, the way I speak, and my attitude. That shows exactly my immaturity of my fruit. The problem is I need to hear the gospel the right way again. So that the way I relate to this world is put into proper perspective so that my fears and my temptations are shown up for what they really are. They're baseless and fruitless and unfulfilling. And so those are the three negative examples. But gloriously, he gives us the secret to a fruitful life. Verse 15, But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produ- uh, produce a crop. See, the fourth example does give us that key. And this is why we should take care on how we hear. This is the secret of the kingdom of God given to us. It's for the person that truly hears. It asks a few things about this. It says to Retain it. Hold fast. It's not just to casually keep it under your arm. But it means to hold on to it. Because we know, we've been told, that the devil snatches the the word away from us. And it's an action, isn't it? Something that we can actually make a positive uh, decision to do. We can take hold of it. It's not necessarily a spiritual uh, discipline. But we just hold on to God's word. But it's not just about that. 
because it says something else, doesn't it? It says about it needs to hold fast or retain it in a noble heart. The ESV renders that word noble as honest. And that means that we need to be true to what we know. It is to acknowledge that we need more than love and encouragement, that we need a saviour. It is the openness and acceptance of the truth that says it like it is, warts and all. An honest and noble heart openly admits that Jesus is Lord and that I am not. It receives the revelation of the good news of the kingdom of God and says that none of the good stuff that I might be able to conjure up is going to make me right before God or fit for his presence. It is strengthened in the knowledge that God is sovereign and that his grace, uh, a merited gifts of God to an undeserving sinner, frees us from the worries and the temptations of this life. And it must penetrate our hearts, not just our minds, our heart, the innermost us, the thing which drives us, motivates us, makes us tick. You see, you can have theologians and they're not saved because they've left the word of God on the outside. They haven't let it affect them. So as we then let the good news of, king, of the kingdom of God work through our lives and through our everyday decisions, thoughts and actions, it is then, it is then when we'll produce a crop a hundredfold and be fruitful and see how quick that fruit comes it says for us to be patient it's not going to happen overnight but that continuing water uh, continual watering of god's word it goes on to say in verses 16 to 18 about a lamp under a jar essentially what he's saying you can't fake it don't kid yourself you can't fake this what comes from the heart will come out. The thing is, I get excited about music, and when I do, I want to share that. I, even though other people might not appreciate the same kind of music that I'm into. But if you're enjoying God, if you've let it penetrate your heart, if you've rejoiced at the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, then it overflows, it comes out. It naturally spills over. It says, take care how you hear. For, uh, for the one who has, more will be given. So if you've received it, more will be given. Your joy will increase and grow in the knowledge of the kingdom of God. And your part in role in it. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. See, do not leave the good news of the kingdom of God along the path. Do not keep it at arm's length. Do not reject it. The devil will take it away. Don't leave it just on yourself, just outside, so close to it. So coming, coming to church and reading the Bible and not in, internalizing it. Don't be complacent about it because when ten, uh, testing comes, you may wither away. And don't leave it lying among the temptations of this world. Don't hold, it in, uh, hold the other things of this world in competition with it. Treasure it above all. 
Well, our passage ends today in verses 19 to 21 with a short interaction between Jesus, the crowds, and his family. So they come to him, desiring to see Jesus, but they're crowded out. They're described as standing outside. And this is a bit of an odd way to describe it. And I think Luke is intentional in writing those words, standing outside. Because we've already been told lots and lots of people are gathering. A large crowd. Town and town are just coming to him. It's not like he's preaching in the NEC or some sort of arena. He must be outside. But why do they say they are standing outside? See, I presumed up till now that we were. And I think it's right to presume that they're still outside. I think, I believe, Luke has used these words, standing outside, to teach us something. So it contrasts very significantly from the disciples who are described in verses 1 to 3 as being with Jesus. See, the outside is not a good place to be. Being on the outside, you're exposed to dangers. And you miss out on the blessings of being on the inside. So it may appear, first instance, harsh on his mothers and brothers. But this is the good news of the kingdom of God. See, family can presume to be with their kin. And that's right, isn't it? Jesus seems to think so. But it all depends on who family is. And Jesus says that those with unfettered access that only family can claim are those who hear the word of God and do it. See, to be part of Jesus' family, we must have hearing hearts. Only hearing hearts are able to live out God's word. See, God's true family, those who are not standing on the outside, looks more like those in verses 1 to 3. Those with Jesus, healed, restored, and active. See, how we hear makes all the difference. So let's take away Jesus' words to us. Take care, then, how you hear. See, we need to hold fast to the good news of the kingdom of God in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we would confess before you hearts that are sometimes not the best of soils, that are not uh, welcoming to your word. Lord, we want to be known as your family. We want to know that we will stand strong in the face of adversity. Lord, help us to have hearts that receive your word and imbibe it into our lives and so that it affects us, it gives us joy, and it compels us to bear fruit. Lord, we thank you for this word. Thank you for the warnings in it. And may we truly take care in how we hear. Amen.